All right, let's get uh, prayed up. It's great to see you, and then we'll, we'll get into the meaning of life. Well, I don't know, in the olden days, before phones, we used to ask the question, what's the meaning of life? I never hear anybody ask that question anymore, but, but if we were ever to put our phones down, we would ask that question, so we'll talk about it today. Let's get prayed up. Heavenly Father, if we're brutally honest, which, uh, well, we're not usually, but on occasion, if we're brutally honest, our worries and our fears are a lot bigger than you from our perspective. So what we would ask is that when Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer, the beginning is that we prayed long enough that you become bigger than our problems. Lord, that's not where we currently are. That's not where we currently live. But if you could show yourself in such a way to give us the confidence, the trust that you are at work, because we got some stuff going on. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So this is near the end with Jesus. Jesus has already been dead. I mean, talk about the end, right? It's like the tack on ending. Well, the resurrection is a pretty big deal. So on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished, although he could have because he was bleeding pretty good at that point, had some things spilling out of his side. Jesus said, it is finished. The work is done. Now, death and sin are on the clock. You know, what I, you know the phrase, on the clock. The time, they're going to expire. Sin and death are not permanent. Oddly, you are. C.S. Lewis, the Christian writer from England, said we treat each other a lot differently if we realize that we're talking not to a mere mortal, but to an eternal soul. We would talk to each other differently. We would treat each other differently. So Jesus died. Everybody there saw him dead. It's the old southern phrase, graveyard dead, right? They, they wrapped him up. They put him in the tomb. They put the rock over. They had to take Saturday off. They come back Sunday morning. We're going to see what we can do with this bloody mess. Fix it up a little. And he's not there. A lot of confusion. Then Jesus starts appearing to people. And then this. They're sort of used to Jesus being back. Jesus was back 40 days. And then he goes up. Goes up to heaven. In uh, Alpha. Dan back there. If you don't know Dan, your life is poorer for it. Dan uh, came in and uh, last fall and said, uh, you know, I've never been to church before. So, uh, you know, let's see what you got. And so then we did Alpha, and when the small group we were talking, and he said, I think I understand the Trinity. People have been wrestling with the Trinity for, for since the Bible came out, since Jesus showed up, right? Now there's three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternal relationship we're invited into. And Dan said, well, the Heavenly Father's in heaven. Jesus was here as a person 2,000 years ago, and the Holy Spirit is with us now. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. Been wrestling with that for 30 years, and you just said it. If you don't mind, Dan, I'm going to steal that, if you don't mind. And in the future, when he's not sitting here, I won't give him credit. But, you know, he's here this morning. So so we've got Jesus in person here. And the wrestling match for everybody, the mind blower was, is this really God? He walks on water. That person was dead. Jesus went, Burp. he's not dead anymore. He's, that person was blind. Then Jesus walked up, spit in his face. Now he's not blind anymore. It's weird, but it's working. What do you do? And then Jesus died, now he's back. So they had this, uh, do you ever have a, f- a friend that is impressive but not around you? You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I've got some people in the Rolodex, you can call them, and they're just normal people. 
but then you see him on the news, in a good way, right? I mean, it's more my mom's side of the family that's on the news in a bad way, but most of those are long put away by now. But they're just normal people. They just have this one skill in life that puts them off the charts. Chris's dad was, uh, is, but he was on a soap opera that went nuts, went viral before viral was a thing, right? He's been a, a working actor for 50 years. I don't think he's ever been a waiter. That's impressive. Chris could tell you the stories at home. It's a little different. But you have a friend that, that there's something about him that's a really amazing skill. But otherwise, they're just normal people. It's a little crazy. Well, that was Jesus at a much higher level. This is just the guy who has Jesus. He's my rabbi. He teaches us stuff. He's fun. You know, he tells jokes. We're having a good time here. He messes with people. And he was dead and isn't anymore. So there's the two things. And they couldn't figure it out. They wrestled with it, just like we do. So as we talk about, what's the, what's the point of life? Our primary problem hasn't changed in 2,000 years since Jesus was here. We're alone and we're disconnected. You know this wrestling match in your life? I want to do this myself. Why doesn't somebody help me? It's what we do, right? I don't want to be, we're talking about, so one of my ministry friends, great guy, dear friend, we're talking about combining with his big church. Wasn't that many years ago. Well, I mean, I'm old. It was a long time ago before you guys were even born, right? That long ago. When he was starting his church, we as a church used to send him money. They had 11000 for Easter. They're doing pretty good. Doing fine. So, so we're talking about, well, let's do this together. It's always been kind of our goal. Well, you want, to, you want to do this together, but you know what? There's going to be th some things about working with them that I'm not going to like. Right? Isn't that how life works? You don't want to be alone. You just don't want to be around other people. Can I get an amen? <laughs> There's a season of life, usually in our 20s, where, uh, we're at a, where we got our family and we love them, and then when they get on our nerves, we go to work. And then when work gets on our nerves, we got our after-work friends. And when the after-work friends get to be too much, I need to go to church. And then when the church people get a little much, we go back to our family, and, and you just keep going. And nobody ever holds you accountable because you're always about to walk out the door. Somebody brings up something like, yeah, I'd like to talk about that, but look at the time. I got somewhere to be. And then you reach a stage, a stage at work where you don't get to leave anymore. You people that own your own business, you're like, you know, I think I'm going, oh, wait, I own this place. Uh, Guess I'm not going anywhere. Pays pretty well. You get married. Jenny, we were married about, I don't know, we'd been on our honeymoon. Then she's watching TV and I don't. I keep walking in front of the TV, small place. And I look over at my bride, the love of my life, the woman that I get to spend the rest of my life with, and she looks at me and says, when do you go home? That's it, honey. I am home for the rest of your life. I think she took that well. It's the, it's the wrestling match of we've got to do this together, but that's really difficult. Biggest challenge in your life are people. But the best, one of the great parts of life is people. So the same problem was in Jesus' day is now as well. We're alone and disconnected, but we don't want to be alone, but not being alone is difficult. can't do that old Tom Cruise line, you complete me, because they don't. 
we're, we're, we're solid individuals all on our own. We're just supposed to do this together with other people. That's how we're supposed to live life. Jesus was dead. He isn't anymore. That's the big game changer. And then this happens. We have our kids uh, tell stories around the dinner table they're supposed to start with. So there I was. Really improves a fourth grade story, I can tell you. So Jesus is talking to his friends. Therefore, go. Jesus said, I'm leaving. They didn't believe him. But Jesus said, I'm leaving. Therefore, you go. We, uh, now, they thought Jesus leaving was the end. Nope, this is just phase one. Holy Spirit's going to be in charge of phase two. Jesus on earth, phase one. Now the church and the people have a job to do. Holy Spirit will be leading phase two. Jesus said, go and make disciples, students. Make students of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do uh, baptisms. What do we do? I baptize you in the name. Well, you don't do that yet. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then you're down in the horse trough, and you come back up. We all cheer wildly. It's that eternal relationship we're invited into, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a reason to be thankful. The old Jewish tradition involves some unpleasant minor surgery, right? So just the fact that Jesus needs a dunk, that's one for your gratitude journal. Verse 20, teach these new students to obey all the commands I have given you. And you're like, all the commands? Holy cow, I can't even keep track, I can't even keep track of the speed limit. What do you mean all the commands? What are all the commands? So it wasn't that long ago, just a few pages ago, they asked Jesus, somebody was trying to trick him. I voluntarily talked to a lawyer acquaintance this week. As a general rule, can I get an amen? Do we try to talk to lawyers? No. If you have to talk to a lawyer, something's off track. A lawyer came up to Jesus and tried to trick him. He said, which is the most important? There's a lot of rules in the Bible. Which one's most important? Because whichever one Jesus chooses, right? But what about you don't care about children, right? No matter what he says, they're ready to set him up. But Jesus, who wrote the book, was very aware of this... Uh, Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Verse. And Jesus said, that's the point of life. If, you, if we put Jesus, if we put the God of the universe in proper perspective, then our problems fall into proper perspective. You've got problems. But God's bigger than the problem. But we have to put God in the rightful place we're not God of our own life in order for the problem to have the proper perspective. So start there. And then Jesus said, and while you're at it, because God created the fellow people, love everybody else like you, like, your, like you love yourself. That's it. Everything in the Bible boils down to love God, love others. Hmm. Made the lawyer quiet. And now Jesus is saying, love God, love others, pass it on. That's it. That's the whole point of life. Here's where meaning comes from. If you're not sure why you're here, why you're, why you, what's the meaning of life? Here it is. You have been given a unique opportunity. You've been given a specific gift. Some of you have been given a lot of gifts. Some of us have just been given the one and we're thankful for it. You've got your gift. Now, you have, if you look around, there's opportunities to use the gift. And here's what you'll notice. Your gift solves another person's problem. And that's how life works. We think once we get rid of the problems, life will be good. And God says, nope, on this side of heaven, 
What you're doing is solving problems. That's what you do. And we can forget or miss that we're even helping somebody. Some of you, you just walk in the room. The rest of us are better for it. I didn't have a great week this week. I had to deal with insurance and a lawyer. How great could my week be? Not that great. And we're out of booze at our house, apparently. I don't know. When did that happen? Well, years ago, apparently. I don't know. I've got to kick up my drinking. So there's this uh, sweet class that meets before service today. I was tempted to just open the door and go join them for a while. Just be around nice people. Because I've been dealing with insurance and a lawyer. They're not nice. We have problems. We want our problems to go away. And God says, nope, that's the point of life. You use your gift. The problem is an opportunity. Solve other people's problems. All the problems? No. Just the ones you're there to solve. And you get, you get paid as a result. We get the certificates of appreciation. We can spend on other things, and we get meaning in our life. If you're at a job and you're not enjoying it, enjoy might be too strong. You have to figure out that this bit that you're doing, the phone calls you're making, the paperwork you're processing, whatever it is actually helps somebody somewhere, an actual human being. And if you can make that connection, then you can enjoy your job and get paid. But if you lose track what problem you're solving for an actual human being, you're not going to enjoy your job. That's what we're here to do, solve problems. So Jesus said, you got to go. you got to go. And Jesus said, you won't be alone if you go. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. A great phrase. That's a great phrase, end of the age. It means we're never alone for as long as we have breath. In heaven, we're pretty confident there'll be a good crowd up there. My wife this week remember how heaven came up. After this week, probably I'm looking forward to it more. Maybe that's how it came up. I don't know. And, uh, and my wife said um, something about in heaven, she's going to have a big front porch. And I don't know, just the way she said it didn't sound right. Uh, what do you mean you have a big front? Am I invited on your front porch in heaven? It's not that we're worried about being alone in heaven. But on this side of heaven, we can feel alone in a crowd. We can feel alone in our own house. And if you find yourself feeling alone, one, you have to remember the God of the universe. And two, we're supposed to be helping each other. We tend to sit around and wait for somebody to help us. But we'll get outside of ourselves if we make the effort to help other people. Form relationships. Some of you are great hosts. Just go into your house. We don't even want to invite you over to our house. You're so good at hosting, we don't want to invite you over. We're okay. You know, we try to remember to get you a drink at some point, right? But some of you people, you can host. That's a gift. You have to realize what your gifts are. Loneliness in our disconnected digital age is a problem. Jesus says, have you spent time on digital something? And you enjoy it at the time. And then you're done and you feel like your soul's been depleted. It's because there's no online connection that's the same as good human interaction. So now we turn the page. Book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four books that start the New Testament, the new, the new plan with God. They're writing to a different audience about their experience with Jesus. Luke wasn't there. He interviewed the eyewitnesses. Why the baby stories, right? Mom always remembers the birth stories. Not always happy about it, but mom remembers. 
now Luke writes the second part, and we understand why Luke went back. So the beginning of the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is the baby stories of Luke, and now we get to Acts, the second book Luke wrote. And halfway through the book, it goes to we. But Acts takes us from the moment Jesus was here, Jesus leaves the first page of Luke, and it takes us to about 60 A.D. I know, common era. Jesus showed up, changed everything, the whole calendar. And now we got common era. Well, I don't know. Not, not the discussion for today. But it takes us right to just before Nero went crazy, where the Roman Colosseum, Circus Maximus, where the Christians were thrown to the lions, all of that. Luke, in my first book that we just read, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach up until the day he was taken to heaven. Luke was a uh, doctor in the pagan Roman Empire, and once he became a student of the Apostle Paul, learning about Jesus, and he became a Jesus follower, then he wanted to know about Jesus. So he went back and interviewed the eyewitnesses. What happened? Halfway through Acts, it becomes they, becomes we. Theophilus, we have no idea who this guy is. No idea. Was he a fellow student of Luke? And Luke said, well, let me just write it down for you. This is what I got. Or Acts ends with Paul going to trial in Rome. Is this the, basically the pre-court documents for Paul? Could very well be. Or the name could be translated as the one who loves God. Cryptically in a hostile Roman environment is Dr. Luke writing to all of us who become students of Jesus after all that happens in the Gospels and Acts. Well, nobody knows, but Theophilus, verse 4, if you're having a baby, there's a name for you. Once, when he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with the followers, he commanded them. Remember, we just read in Luke, it said, go. Do not leave Jerusalem. That's a big place. Go wander around Jerusalem. Until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. The Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The way to get Jesus is to learn about Jesus and believe. And then there's this action statement where you get baptized in front of everybody. There's a, I let one dear friend weasel into this, and I'm not sure it's the right thing to do, but he wanted to be baptized without the crowd. So I'm willing, to, I'm willing to say I'm a Christian, and I'm willing to be baptized by you, but I only want you and, and my wife and Jenny there. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, you know, you're kind of a big deal, so I guess you're used to getting your way. I'm not going to tell you you can't be a Christian if this or these are your rules. I don't know. At some point, it seems like Jesus should break you, but uh, all right, we'll do it. So what's the problem with baptizing in that way? Well, the point of the baptism isn't when you get to the pearly gates, St. Peter says, were you dipped? Sorry. That's not the point of baptism. The point of baptism is we're going back 2,000 years and joining with that crowd and saying, we're in this together. Not only am I not alone with this group, but with everybody. How many Christians are in the world still? A couple of billion. I mean, some of us are real jerks, but still couple of billion. That's what we're joining with. We're saying publicly, I'm going to do this ceremony, and I'm in. I'm part of this big crowd. So the fact that he came in and he stood right there and we baptized him, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure I did it right. But I can tell you, I've been praying for that guy for a lot of years. I was pretty excited he's even willing to say he was a Christian. 
baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The whole point is the relationship. Usually, the point of life is to go. You got to do something. We want to sit at home and wait for someone to come rescue us. And we have to go. We have to go do things. Go do the next right thing. Go try some things and make mistakes and learn. Go make some friends and do it together. The first word of the morning, Jesus said, was go. Go do the next right thing. Get prayed up, ask wise people smart questions, and go. But on occasion, we have to wait. Sometimes it's wait. Some of you come from families that are so famously terrible that on almost every occasion, your natural inclination of what you learn from your family, you have to consciously think, well, I know not to do that. I won't be doing that. Here's my vote for the craziest story in the Bible. Some of you parents are going to like, why did we go to church today? This, I think, is the craziest story in the Bible. It took me years to wrestle through this one. Lot, Abraham, way back in the Old Testament, then Lot, and, uh, and God said, that's it. This place is so terrible. You can read about it. It was. I'm going to destroy it. And you guys need to get out of town. So Lot and his wife and the two daughters, the, the, the adult daughters, they're heading off. The daughters are about to get married, and the guys were too dumb to follow. So God killed them too. If you're too stupid, God will just kill you, I guess, is part of the lesson. But that's not really the crazy part. So it's, it's mom, dad, and the adult kids, and they're heading out of town. And mom looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. And so now dad and the adult daughters are in the cave. And the daughters think, well, what are we going to do now? You know what? Nothing. Nothing. That's what you're going to do. You've made one series of poor choice after another. Have you ever done that in life? You've made so many dumb choices. You're like, I'm out of dumb ideas. Wait, no, I got one more. Well, don't do that. Just stop. You read the rest of that story. And I think the entire point of that story that just gets weird is there are times when you find yourself so off track with God that he's just going to put you in a timeout. You're in a cave. Just sit there. There's nothing you're going to do that's a good decision. You just cool your, cool your jets. And, and, and when, when the time is right, the creator of the universe will give you a new plan. But don't come up with your dumb ideas. Oh, they did. We are supposed to, on occasion, wait. We're supposed to be people of action. We're calling this series Plot. The point of plot is there's the beginning of the movie or the book, right? And you like the characters. Well, these seem like wonderful people. And the end, where the resolve happens, that's great. The middle part gets weird. The Wizard of Oz, my mom would watch it. Used to, in the olden days, it would come on TV once a year on a Saturday, and my mom would watch it. It wasn't a big TV family, so it's always well, interesting. Well, my mom's watching TV. What is this? You sit down, and we later moved to Kansas, but this time I'd never been to Kansas, didn't know Kansas existed. Then there's a tornado. Why would anybody live in Kansas? I don't know. We have rattlesnakes falling from the sky, and I seem fine with that, so I don't know. I don't mean to judge anybody. But I'm watching the movie, you know, as you do as a kid, and all of a sudden there's the weird flying monkey's middle part. What are we watching? This is why I don't watch TV. It always ends up with a weird flying monkey's middle part. Can I get an amen? That's our life. Our life is the weird flying monkey's middle part. That's where we are. 
the resolve is supposed to be good in the beginning. We've got some sweetness, but man, the flying monkey's middle part is where we live. And we're supposed to keep going. But on occasion, we're supposed to just wait. The Holy Spirit, the, uh, the old-fashioned word, ruah, ruah. It's like the wind. You can't see the wind. You can see the results of wind, the trash blowing. Well, around here, it's the dust blowing. You can see the trees waving. Oh, it's a windy day. Drive along in your car and all of a sudden you're a different lane. Oh, it's a windy day. I can't see the wind. For 21 hours, I had a really boxy car last week. I think that thing would have been crazy on the highway. I don't know. Never got to drive it. The kid cracked into me. We don't see the wind. We see the effects of the wind. We see the invisible moving the visible. Can you imagine if somehow you just got plopped into this world and nobody ever described wind? I think that'd freak us all out. Well, soon the trees are blowing, your hair's moving. Hmm. A blustery day. Well, the Holy Spirit. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but hopefully we can see the positive effects in our life. Here's something interesting. You have a favorite. If you get into become a Christian, a committed Christian, you've got a favorite. The Holy, uh, the Heavenly Father, right? Distant, appropriately apart, far away. Don't have to worry about that one. Jesus, oh, I love that Jesus. Or the Holy Spirit. You, we tend to have a favorite. I know you're not supposed to say it out loud. It's like your kids. But you tend to have a favorite, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one we're more comfortable with. And it's okay. It makes perfect sense. Because the concept of God is so big that on this side of heaven, we don't understand the concept of God. We wrestle with the concept of God. So you have one you prefer. Eh, good. Verse 6, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Jesus, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Seems like a detour. Jesus is talking about this big world change, and they're just talking about, hey, can we be in charge again? Remember the promised land that you gave us? The Romans came in. They sailed over from the boot, and now they beat us up, and now they're in charge. Can we get them to go back to the boot? And Jesus rubs his temples. That's not what we're talking about. It's what we're talking about. You think of your problem and you think of your solution. And our solution tends to be, let me have a little more power locally. That'll fix it. If I could just get it my way. That's why people go be in charge on the HOA. Can I get an amen? If I could just be in charge, we could fix this. That's what they were saying. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming and, and they're like, Lord... When do we get to be in charge again? Got the God of the universe sitting right there in sandals. and They wanted Jesus to take care of the Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah, before you leave, can you kill Rome? Part of the future promise is freedom from pain. Looking forward to that. The older I get, that freedom from pain sounds good. Freedom from fear. I've never been in a car accident before until 10 days ago or whatever it was. Now I'm a little nervous crossing intersections. Used to be I never looked up. Thank you. Thank you. The fear of death. We want it now. And we're told it's a future promise. Right now it's still the flying monkey's middle part. We want more power and influence in our corner of the community. And Jesus said, no. <laughs> no. 
But, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And he goes through this incredible list. In Jerusalem, where Jesus was executed by an angry mob, you know, Jesus, you're not a big hit here. We weren't going to mention you. Throughout Judea, they rejected Jesus completely. Nobody in Judea likes Jesus. Well, Jesus, you didn't win him over. How come I got to bring you up? Samaria, those losers, they were just regarded as a wasteland of, of people who weren't good enough. Think of Yuma, right? See what I'm saying? The utmost parts of the earth, the Gentiles, everybody else, they were just considered the fuel for the fires of hell. Somebody's got to do it. They're not part of us. They were talking about when do we restore our kingdom? And Jesus said, your kingdom just went worldwide. You got a global kingdom. Get to work. They're like, no, no, we don't want all that. We just want this. And Jesus is like, well, here's the thing. We created everybody. We want them all. Everybody who wants to be a part of this can be a part of it. Go tell them about it. And you have to start in Jerusalem. Why? Because you can only share Jesus with people you know. So I took this great class in Kansas City Seminary. Um, I think it was after they let me come back from London. And Dr. Stevens was there. And just this great guy. Oh, my gosh. Just incredible. And he starts with the evangelism class, and he says, you can't share Jesus with somebody you don't know. And we're all offended. Of course we can. We're a wonder. Then he sent us out into a bad neighborhood in Kansas City, Kansas. And he said, go out with two or three, and go knock on doors and tell them about Jesus. Tell me how that goes. I think my group is the only one dumb enough to do it. No, New Yorker, how did I know? Bang, bang, bang. Nobody. Didn't go well. Didn't go well at all. The only guy I had a good conversation with said, well, I'm Muslim, but I'm willing to talk with you. All right. Well, and you got to talk to somebody. We had a lovely conversation. The two friends that went with me, they were out at the sidewalk while I'm up there. They weren't dumb enough to be up there with me. And we come back, and he said, how'd that go? And people are like, well, you didn't go. It's a dangerous neighborhood. Yeah, well, you knew that when I gave the assignment. You said you could talk to anybody. Yeah, but we were picturing more of a beach scenario. Right? Nice conversation over maybe a float-up cocktail situation. You know, Jesus invented booze. That's what we were thinking. You can only tell people about Jesus who know you enough to care. The 14-year-old went for a run this morning, so I'm a good dad. I was beside him on my bicycle. And a guy went past us very slowly on his bicycle. And I was really tempted to ride up to the guy and say, you know, if you raise your seat a little bit and gear down a little bit, you'd enjoy this a lot more. But you know what? He never asked me. So I didn't pedal up beside him. What am I supposed to say? Hey, Tubby, what am I supposed to say? He didn't ask. Right? You could be a lot of help to people if they would only ask, but they don't ask. You can't just walk up to somebody and say... Ooh, I smell the fires of hell when I'm around you. <laughs> Got the answer, though. People have to watch you. So Jesus said, you got to start in Jerusalem. And they said, but nobody likes us here in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, get used to that. Oh, it's not the answer we were after. We're going to do baby dedications on Mother's Day. There's one right here somewhere. That one, one of those. There's another one. Why do we do it? That's a heart warmer, isn't it? Mother's Day, baby dedications. Oh, 
so sweet. Ooh, it threw up. You take it back. I don't even mind. I've got three kids. You can puke all over me. I won't even notice. I won't even change my shirt. There's veteran dad for you. You can talk with your coworkers. You can talk with your friends and family. One of my drunk cousins one time at a family reunion said, all right, I got 30 seconds. Give me your best sermon. You know, they go a little longer. <laughs> just, just telling you. Once at a baseball game, I get a double. The shortstop comes over. I'm in second base, winded because I'm old. And he said, my grandmother died. Where is she? Well, I didn't take her. Did you check the morgue? Ah, did you send her to Banner? Well, here's how it works. It's a whole process. That was my threat to traveler's insurance this week. You really want to talk to, have me talk about you like I do, Banner? Let me tell you some stories. You can only talk to people about Jesus who know you. That's the whole plan. Go live your life in such a way that your life is better for it, and other people say, hey, happy boy, why are you so happy? I look around at your circumstances, you have no reason to be as happy as you are. My wife last night said, I was all, or this, maybe it was this morning, I was all excited about some little dumb thing. And of course, I have to tell her. And she said, I love that you get so excited about such simple, simple stuff. And then she claimed that was a compliment. <laughs> My 14-year-old mocked her. Mom, that's a little dismissive. No, I'm all excited. Good family discussion. It's only people that know you that realize that I want what you have. You start doing well financially, people are going to come and, well, one, they'll ask you for money, but they're going to come and ask you, how do you do that? You're a disaster financially. Nobody wants to hear your thoughts. Take them to TikTok. You know this from uh, trying to tell people about your hobbies. Is it well-received? How was your weekend? It was really great. I saw this one bird, and it's called a, right? People are like... You can't just walk up and start talking to somebody about something they're not interested in. So you pick two people, you pray for them by name, and you watch and see what happens. They're not your responsibility. You didn't create them. Well, maybe if you're the parent, you did, but you're a partnership with God. You can't create life. You're not responsible for them. Your job is to be a partner with God, even for your own children. You get prayed up, you watch them, you wait. And we don't have to share Jesus. It's not the stoplight. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? Right? You don't have to share Jesus. You're in the grocery store line while well, we got a few minutes. Do you know Jesus? Don't do that. They won't, let, they won't let you come back to Trader Joe's. Ask me how I know. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> you don't have to share Jesus. You get to share Jesus. There are times, as appropriate, you pray and watch how they approach you. Hey, you go to church. I got a question. And you say, good question, I have no idea, but let me tell you about this crazy family in a cave. Maybe you can relate. Verse 9, after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. Doesn't this feel like, for you, prayer time, you got a few minutes, it seems like it's going really great, and then Jesus, woof, gone. And they could no longer see Jesus. As they strained to see him, what do you mean we got to go to talk to people? Wait, wait for what? We'll talk about that next week. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Well, because Jesus just, what do you mean, why? What kind of dumb question is that? 
Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Until then, get to work. My New York grandfather would wave as we left. He would wave like this. If you do that to the chance dog, it'll sit. I don't know. It's some kind of hand command. I don't know. As Jesus was leaving, he did this. They did this, right? And Jesus said, don't worry, I'll be back. You know what's crazy? If you've been here before, you've heard me mock Peter because he's, you know, Peter. You know who took lead in the early church? Peter. If that doesn't give you hope, if Peter can be in charge, Jesus said uh, to Peter, feed my sheep, and then Jesus left and Peter was in charge, did a good job. We want a comfortable life. And the Heavenly Father gave us an adventure to live. And I know I don't like it either. Too much plot. Those flying monkeys get tiresome, don't they? Just too much. Not only does it, uh, you know what? Not only does it sometimes get convoluted and I lose the plot, sometimes I, I could use better closed captioning in my life. Can I get an amen? Would it be nice? Like, this person's really talking about this. Oh, okay, thank you. That's, that's helpful. I would, if people around me had closed captioning about their intent, oh, that would be so helpful. I don't know. I look over Jenny's shoulder. Sometimes she's doing the closed captioning. Those sentences don't even make sense. So I need good closed captioning. I don't need this garbled stuff. But the good news is if we will put the phone down on occasion, not all the time, but things like, I don't know, when you're driving, when you're talking to your spouse, the kid that plowed into me on his phone, he told the police he fell asleep. He would rather say I fell asleep at age 23 than admit he was on his phone. I don't know which one's worse, but uh, put the phone down. The, here's the thing. The people around you are interesting. Not always helpful, but they're interesting. You, we'll never be bored if we will remember that the point of life is to love God and love others, and as appropriate, share Jesus with them. We'll never be bored, and we'll never be alone. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, you have delivered us from death. I mean, we've got to go through it. But it's not the finish line that it once was. We have to deal with our sinful nature. We have to deal with the sin around us. But, Lord, we know those are on the clock. Would you give us the courage to trust that you are at work, that this plot is crazy? But we know the finish. If there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, that ABC approach to the relationship with you, A, is to admit that we're part of the problem. We can be part of the problem. On occasion, we're part of the problem. And we need your forgiveness so that we can even begin to think about forgiving those around us. B is to believe that you are the one who makes us worthy of heaven, who makes us worthy of the great ending to the story, of our story. And C is to choose to be your student, to be your disciple, to be your follower, to be the person you created us to be. We weren't yesterday, but we have this day. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.